we are live from the Empire of Lies. It's time for the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. So, made it to midweek. How you doing, Rod? Doing well, Lee. Can't complain. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. So, uh, great show yesterday. I got to point out again, Mark Sabona and Tyler Nixon and Jason Goodman. A great show. What did you think yesterday, Rod? Yeah, it was always a great show with those, with those guys. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on. So, yeah, great show. But I only got to one clip. The show was so good that I failed the clips. So we we got to get the clips after this. But today's great show is Allison Hayden. We've had her on before. We love having Allison on. She was a candidate in Northern California, and she was arrested. Right, Rod? Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, Allison was a candidate, and on uh, election day, she was uh, trying to observe. Uh, she was an observer to the uh, election and the ballots and the ballot count counting. And, um, you know, there was a, a commotion about uh, removing her from that area, and then she ended up getting arrested by the sheriffs. And she's going through that legal process now. And this is all over her trying to observe the, the vote. And so that's a big issue. And we'll talk to Allison all about that in the first hour. Then, in the second hour, our friend, the great Carter Laren from Unsafe Space, will be joining us. And we'll talk to Carter about Kanye, believe it or not. Because, remember I called, I wanted to have Carter on. Because Carter's the ideal guy to talk about why racism is bad. From a philosophical perspective, there's a reason. Because, you know... Did you see at the White House they had a big anti-Semitic conference? Yeah, I saw that. Well, you know, also, you know, when I hear people talk about that, what do you say about that? Don't be racist. Don't be anti-Semitic. That's what they're saying. Is there anything particularly brilliant that they said? No. And why did they have to do it at the White House? Why do you think, Rod? Uh, that's a... Mm, I mean, it's just, it's just for show, uh, really, Lee. It's just a media thing. They're not really, they're not really uh, trying to say, uh, protect anti people, Jewish people from anti-Semitism. Yeah, my argument would be it's narrative reinforcement. Does that make sense? Right, exactly, yeah. Right. It's a little bit, it's a booster, a booster jab for your narrative. In case you're not getting your recommended daily allowance of narrative, this boosts you. So, but we'll talk about that with Carter in the second hour. And we're taking your calls, 202-521-1320. Rod, what's the name of the show? You listen to the best show on the radio, The Backstory. Okay, I'm going to let you call the first clip, Rod. Which clip do you want to play first? Um, let's play this guy, Yoel Roth. He's the one who uh, was in charge of uh, uh, the censorship of uh, the Hunter Biden story at Twitter. And uh, this is him talking about, uh, uh, you know, even satire on social media is dangerous. So 
this is the guy who was in charge of censoring Hunter Biden's story, which was, I guess, dangerous for you to know <laughs> that there's corruption going on. And but at the same time, if you make any jokes that uh, they don't like, that the, the, the extreme left doesn't like, that's also dangerous. So satire is and, dangerous. And I would say jokes is one of the best reactions you could have, actually. You know, but let's play the clip. Roll it. That one beat, which is what got him to buy the thing, I think. That's the... That's, that's the one which is which was not particularly funny. The Babylon Bee's man of the year is Rachel Levine. <laughs> not funny. Yeah. Um, and, and you can ask... I didn't her. agree they should have taken that down, but go ahead. You know, it's interesting... Uh, it's interesting to think about what the competing tensions around that are. And I, I want to start by acknowledging that um, the targeting and the victimization of the trans community on Twitter is very real, very life-threatening, and extraordinarily serious. Um, we have seen from a number of Twitter accounts, including libs of TikTok notably, that there are orchestrated campaigns that particularly are singling out a group that is already particularly vulnerable within society. And so... Yeah, not only is it not funny, but it is dangerous, and it does contribute to an environment that makes people unsafe in the world. So let's start from a premise that it's fucked up. But then, again, let, let's look at what Twitter's written policies are. Twitter's written policies prohibit misgendering, full stop. And the Babylon Bee, in the name of satire, misgendered Admiral Rachel Levine. Twitter wrote, nominally, but... It's still misgendering. Okay. And, you know, you can, there can be a very long and, and academic discussion of, of satire and sort of the lines there. Interestingly, uh, Apple tried to tease out this question of satire and political commentary in their own guidelines, which I think are, are also fraught. But, you know, we landed on the side of enforcing our rules okay. as written. And that's how it got bought by Elon Musk, just in case you're interested. Um, he was mad about that. I remember that. Now, Rod, ironically, that sounded like a guy who used to be a comedian, Stephen Colbert. What, was that Stephen Colbert, former comedian? <laughs> no, no, that, that's not Colbert. But did it sound like it? You mean uh, the, the guy, Yoel Roth, who used to work for Twitter? The, the guy who was talking about that stuff, he sounded a little like Colbert to me. Um, no, I, I didn't. I didn't get that. I mean, I don't listen to Colbert, so uh, you know, maybe that's why. But no, right. And it wouldn't surprise me if Stephen Colbert came out against satire. Yeah, now that wouldn't shock me one bit. Would you be surprised if Stephen Colbert came out as anti-comedy czar under the Biden administration, uh, Rod? Oh yeah, no, I would. Uh, I would not be surprised. He's a one hundred percent sellout. I mean, he did a whole song and dance uh, with Pfizer about the vaccine. So you know, this guy's bought and paid for. Now, the the person made a point that misgendering is against the Twitter rules. Period. So in other words, calling a dude in a dress a woman is misgendering. Am I right? Do I have it right, Rod? No, I think I think it's the other way around. <laughs> Oops! Wait, what? Well, wait, if it's a, if no, it's a wait, I saw I saw the doctor, I saw the general. He's not fooling anyone. Am I fair to? Am I being fair if I say that this 
What is it? The Surgeon General? Yeah, I believe that's uh, that's the title he gave us. Yeah. Okay. Am I fair or being mean if I say that Surgeon General is not fooling anybody into thinking he's anything other than a dude in a dress? No, that's fair. That's fair. But you would that would be considered misgendering. But blind people are convinced. You know, he 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 doesn't pass. I've seen better looking people. He should learn to do his makeup or something like that. That wouldn't help, actually. I think he could be with Kevin a coin and it's not gonna help him one bit. So uh, do you have any suggestions for the Surgeon General? I'm looking more like a woman, Rod. <laughs> no, I have zero zero suggestions for that. Um, you know, then he, he uh, this Rachel Levine person uh, uh, came from Pennsylvania, from Tom Wolf's administration. So you know, uh, you know, I don't know what's. I'm pretty sure this is probably going to go right back into Josh Shapiro, the the new governor. Uh, of uh, Pennsylvania is going to be the new governor of Pennsylvania. I'll probably go right back into a position with Pennsylvania. And I do find it ironic they're using the term misgendering to describe correctly gendering. Does it make sense, Rod? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, Lee. I mean, this guy, he's uh, so ideological. Uh, you know, his whole basis of life is on his ideology. And, you know, if you if you cross that you're an enemy you know i mean you misgender and boom you're off you're off twitter they don't want to they want to deperson you but you know this whole hunter biden story you know uh you're not really you're not really allowed to talk about it so and imagine if rachel what what's the name levine i was going to say that but i think i went to school with someone named rachel levine and you know it's a fairly common name but uh, not for dudes. So Rachel Levine, imagine this, Rod. If they strip down naked, the Surgeon General, can you imagine what's going on under there? So picture for a second. What are you picturing? I'm, I'm not picturing it, Lee. But, <laughs> but if, if uh, it'd probably be like, uh, you remember Silence of the Lambs? Uh, I forget the character's name right now. When he was in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Billy Bob. <laughs> Wait, what what did he say? What what did Central say? Billy Bob, that's the, the character's name, you know, uh that, that they were chasing in uh Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Right. And he, he had his, his Buffalo had Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he had his, you know, he was looking in the mirror dancing and he had his uh his parts tucked in. And I, I'm sure the Surgeon General doesn't even bother. Doesn't even bother Chuck. So let's go to Christina Freeland next. Christina Freeland is being touted as the next head of NATO. And she's a Nazi. She's a Ukrainian Nazi whose grandfather was a Ukrainian Nazi and has the same beliefs as her grandfather. Again, Ukrainian Nazis, their big thing is not Jews. Their big thing is Russians. We've talked about that before, right, Rod? Yeah, yeah, and that's why I grabbed this clip. You know, she's uh, being deposed about the uh, Freedom Convoy 
and she's so squirmish and i mean you can't you can only hear it but on video it just adds to it she's so squirmish she can barely you know she's she's ready to crumble over just the little questions over her uh that she's trying to lie about so you know i i guess you know her and nato you don't get questions so she wouldn't have to be uh, face any questioning so she wouldn't have to be a squirmish yeah but i'm really looking forward to her being nominated for that because i think it's going to be a great process and yeah she is 20 she lied about her grandfather and she's never said oops sorry i lied about it is that right rod yeah i've never heard i've never heard or read uh or admitted to that right so let's play christina freeland hit it Council of the Freedom Corp, which is the representative of the protesters that were in your city at Ottawa uh, in January and February 2022. So, ma'am, I understand the mandate regarding truckers that led to the protest. It came into effect in January 15th, 2022. Is that correct? I don't recall the exact date, but I'm prepared to believe you are citing Thank it you. correctly. And during the pandemic from March 20 through January 15th, 2022, there was no such regulation, right? Again, uh, I don't recall the exact dates myself, but I do know we didn't have the mandate and then it came into force. Right. And just so the folks at home understand, a regulation is a different type of law. It's passed by the executive branch alone, not by all of parliament, right? Like the Emergencies Act. There is absolutely a distinction between things a government can do by regulation and things it can right. only do by legislation. Right. And so, uh, would you be would you agree with me that, given that the during the throes of the pandemic, from March 2020 through to January 15th, 2022, and we had no regulation, you didn't need one. No, uh, I actually. I believe that, taken as a whole, the public health measures that Canada put in place were very, very important oh, in protecting the health that, and safety gonna, of Canadians. I only have so much time, so I'm going to cut you off there. And you'd agree with me that, given that there was no regulation in place from March 2020 through January 15th, 2022, you know, during the throes of the pandemic, there was no reason to pass one in January 15th, 2022, was there? There was no health risk. No, I'm afraid I don't agree. In January, we had an Omicron wave. We were still fighting COVID, and there was a real value in encouraging as many Canadians as okay. possible to get but, vaccinated. But So the, well, the purpose was to encourage Canadians to get vaccinated, to compel them to get vaccinated. Is that fair? That's right. All right. So that was the purpose of the regulation. That was the true purpose. It wasn't to keep people safe. It was to get them vaccinated. I believed then, and I believe now, that creating strong incentives for Canadians to be vaccinated protected the health okay. of vaccinated Canadians and protected the health so, of our country overall. Okay, so from March 2020 to uh, January 15th, 2022, did you fail to protect Canadians by not having that regulation? Let me start with one aspect of that timeline which is obviously when COVID first hit us, vaccines didn't exist. And then even when vaccines arrived, it took time for them to be distributed. 
so, of course, vaccine mandates couldn't be put in place before vaccines existed or were made available. So, and of course, the government, you ended up creating a vaccine compensation fund in December of 2020. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Right. And you're aware that Quebec had a vaccine compensation fund and it was the only province that actually had one prior to that? I am prepared to accept that that's the case. I can't recall specifically. And can you agree with me that the United States has a federal vaccine uh, compensation fund? Again, I'm prepared time. to accept that okay. that's the case. So from 1867, when Canada was founded, up until December of 2020, Canada had no federal vaccine compensation fund. Can you agree with that? Again, I'm not an expert in the history of vaccine compensation funds in right. Canada. But the first comp you can agree the first compensation fund in Canada for vaccines came about only because of the COVID vaccines, correct? Again, I'm, I'm really not an expert in vaccine compensation funds. If, if the direction of the question is to suggest that the COVID vaccines are more dangerous in some way than previous vaccines we've used in Canada. I'll say one, I'm not a health expert, I but I believe I very much uh, in really the advice, the effectiveness, the thoroughness of Health Canada. Okay. They're very good at I, judging I, I the agree. safety of vaccines. Uh, and I will say, I, I, I have been vaccinated four times. My uh, children have I, I been understand, ma'am. I don't need to know that. But uh, but, but it does, I, I speak, it does speak to my confidence in the vaccines. I, I, I if I've had my children vaccinated, it speaks to my belief that they're safe. Can you stop talking about the clock and let me ask my questions, okay? That's kind of amazing. So why do you think she was trying to take over that guy, Rod? Oh, obviously, like he said, she wanted the to run out the clock. She wanted she did not like his questions at all because it was very too they were too direct. Obviously, uh, think about that. There was never a compensation fund for vaccines ever in Canada, but in 2020 they they created one in December. Uh, so um, it's just you know it leads to a lot more questions, and you know you can see well you can't see you can only hear it. But if you see it, you can tell she's just, I'm pretty sure she's sweating. If you could see where her, her seat, I'm pretty sure it was a, a nice puddle of sweat there. So that's a nice image, Rod. But uh, when you're talking about Christina Freeland, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I heard, uh, who was it? Uh, who did I hear? Who, who did you play? Oh, Ron Johnson. Ron Johnson, Senator for Wisconsin, I heard him say that the vaccines are not shown to stop transmission. Is that accurate, Rod? That's correct. Who said that? Maniacs? Well, the uh, they had a, uh, I believe it was a Pfizer exec up at the EU. Uh, we played that clip as well, where they admitted that they would they, uh, they that the vaccines were never meant to. Uh, stop transmission okay so that's one thing but does it keep you from getting it at least does it keep you from being infected with covid okay it can't stop you from giving it to other people but at least you won't get it right 
Not even that as well. And that's I think that's a, that I believe that was also admitted in that same clip that it was it wasn't meant to stop you from getting it either. Right. So even though it's not good at one of those things, she gave it to her kids. By the way, are Canadian Nazi kids particularly vulnerable to COVID nineteen? Were a lot of Canadian Nazi kids dying of COVID nineteen, Rod? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think so, Lee. But that just shows you how you know low these people go. They just throw their kids right under the bus. Like, yeah, you know, I vaccinated my kids. You know, and I've been vaccinated four times. Like, that has anything to do with the entire population of Canada. Yes, and uh, so let's go to the next clip. The other thing they used the COVID nineteen uh, excuse. I don't know what to call it at this point, to infringe on people's rights. And the other thing that they're going to use and that they are using is climate change, right? Now, not debating a science, not saying, because I just don't know. I don't understand the weather. So, you know, I'm not the person to ask on this. But I know that's taking away people's freedoms. So let's play the clip about climate change. Hit it. But they've also given us a model to become our own leaders. And let me tell you what it means to to me coming in as a different generation. I remember my middle child waking up with nightmares over concern around climate change. Now, now by the way, here's a hint. Don't do that to your child. You could give child, you know, if you took a child and start telling them stories about nuclear war every night and showing them pictures of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they would be frightened. But I don't suggest you do that, even though I'm opposed to nuclear war. Rod, do you think that's good parenting? Uh, this uh, that's the uh, no, that's not good parenting, and that's the number two Democrat in the uh, House. Uh, that's Catherine Clark. She's a new Democrat whip, and that's you know <laughs> that tells you what she's coming in with. Uh, you know that her kids are waking up in nightmares. Oh my God, the climate change. You know, <laughs> it's just and then the, she's again another another woman throwing her kids under the bus. It's just you know, they, yeah, very interesting. So so who. Let's listen to the director of national intelligence on the Biden administration talking about Ukraine and Russia. We had a great segment yesterday with Mark Zobora on Ukraine and Russia. And if you want to get the real skinny on what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, this is a show to listen to. But if you want to be lied to, listen to DNI. So let's hit that. I did want to begin with Ukraine. Uh, about the capacity that Ukraine now has, having retaken Kherson, uh, is do they have the capacity for a counteroffensive to even approach Crimea and try to break that land bridge? Yeah, I think, so as we're looking at the trajectory of the conflict, kind of going through the next several months, 
honestly, we're seeing a kind of a reduced tempo already of the conflict. Most of the fighting right now is around Bakhmut and the Donetsk area, and uh, and sort of a slowed down with the withdrawal of um, of Russia from the sort of western Kherson uh, area to the um, east of the river, and. And we expect that's likely to be what we see in the coming months. And then once you get past the winter, the sort of question is, what will the counteroffensive look like potentially in the spring, in effect in March and in that area? And we expect that, frankly, both militaries are going to be in a situation where they're going to be looking to try to refit, resupply, in a sense, reconstitute so that they're kind of prepared for that counteroffensive. But we actually have a fair amount of skepticism as to whether or not the Russians will be, in fact, prepared to do that. And I think, yeah, I think more optimistically for the Ukrainians in that time frame. To that point, to what extent is Putin getting real information about the war and about the reverses they've suffered? Yeah, I mean, this has obviously been an issue that's been discussed pretty widely. And I, I think um, what I can say is that I think Putin was surprised by his military's sort of uh, lack of performance and the fact that they did not accomplish more. That's, I'm sure, no surprise to anybody here. I do think he is becoming more informed of the challenges that the military faces in Russia, but it's still not clear to us that he has a full picture at this stage of just how challenged they are. And I mean, we see shortages of ammunition, poor morale, supply issues, logistics, a whole series of concerns that they're facing. So amazing. She should listen to this show. She has no clue what's going on. First off, do you think Putin was surprised by his military's lack of effectiveness, Rod? No, not, not at all. And this woman, this is Avril Haynes. She comes from the Obama administration. She also was a part of the CIA. So, uh, just, you know, just give a little background on her. And, uh, Let's point out that she's just lying. Yeah, I, we talked about Bakhmut the other day. That's a battle that's been going on about four months. And Ukraine has mounted numerous counteroffensives, none of which are working. So is that your understanding in Bakhmut? Yeah, yeah, Lee, of course, you know, um, I, for, I forgot who. Oh, I was going to grab another clip. Maybe I'll grab it for tomorrow, where this is. Uh, they're talking about a, a Ukrainian fighter, the heavyweight champion of the world, and uh, the the promoter stops. Uh, he stops the interviewer and tells him, you know, you know, these Ukrainians are the best fighters in the world. Look at look at look what they're doing to the Russians. They're destroying the Russians. But you know, I can't blame this guy because this is what the mainstream media is repeating. And the Ukraine's just wiping out Russia. Right. And they have no power, and they've already lost 20% of the country. But but it's a weird victory. So l let me point, we'll talk about that more later. Owl Killer, please call back. You called at the end of the segment, and we have no time. we got to go to Allison Hayden next. So let's take a short break, Rod. And when we come back, Allison Hayden will be joining us on the backstory.
are back on Backstroy and on the radio in Washington on 105.5 FM AM 1390. This is the Backstory. Join us now. Great friend of the show, former candidate in Northern California, Allison Hayden. Hey, Allison, how are you doing today? Doing fine, doing fine. California is having a beautiful day. So it's very cold in Sioux Falls, so send us some, Allison. But let me, uh, let, let's get right, right to what we were talking about before. You were arrested, right? On election That's day. That's right. Exactly. Okay, I, was, so, I was arrested on, not on election day. Not on election. November 18th, I was, I was watching, watching, observing the 1% tally, which is a part of the process um, of, you know, that's open to the public to view the processing of votes. Now that we have vote by mail and we have month long, greater than month long elections, they have opened up the different processes to the public. And this was the what they call the 1% tally, which is when they take 1%, it's supposed to be of the precincts, uh, and to look at the results and to validate the results uh, that they will certify on the 16th. So in that, pro- I went down there and I was, I was alone that day. Um, to to observe that process. But it was, they also had the ability to view it online. And so I had friends who were viewing it online. And I was there in person. I was accompanied by two Registrar of Voter employees as chaperones, as well as a deputy sheriff. So there were four of us in the observation area, and there was a plexiglass divider, you know how they have windows in public offices to see, you know, like three or four or whatever, however number, where you go up to each window to be served. So they had that kind of divider in that room, and behind it was where they were doing the 1% tally, and I was observing, and I was at one of the windows just taking notes on that tally as they were doing it. I was taking my own notes. So what happened was that uh, my friend uh, texting me said we can't see. They were recording. There were it was like a Vanna White um, roller thing. They were clipping coupons. The coupons were somehow to reference a batch number. It was all really very complicated. So the public really was not clear about what was going on. People observing my friend said, well, they were recording these coupon numbers on a whiteboard with dry erase marker. Well, it was in red, so nobody could read it, and I was recording the numbers on in my notes. So I tr- I went to take a picture of it to text it to my friends so they could re- get it, and that's when one of the chaperones uh, yelled, that's it, you're disrupting the process. Well, prior to coming in, there's a context of this. I've been observing many, many days, um, and... This day, I went in, and they told me right up front, you can't ask any questions, because two days before, she threatened to arrest me because I asked a question. This is the deputy registrar. Her name is Cynthia Cornejo. She threatened to arrest me, uh, and I said, we're, you know, we're not allowed to ask questions now. And so she relented, 
Now this time I come in, and the first thing they tell me is, all questions have to be in writing. Now this is against election California election code. They, in almost every area, have circumvented the right of the public to, to see and understand what's going on. And the second thing they said was, now uh, they read me or they printed out and was part of the packet, the penal code, the California Penal Code 415, which says disrupt if you disrupt, which is defined as malicious, loud disturbance of the process. So I would, you could be uh, arrested for that. So they told me that up front before we went down to the observation area. So I was standing there at one of the windows, alone, silent, taking notes, and I took a picture of my notes, and I was ready to text it. And he said, you're disturbing the process. Having just been read, you know, what Penal Code 415 was, I said, how did, you know, what, how did I do that? I'm silent. You know, I'm not disturbing anyone. They're, they are more than 10 feet away from me, the people doing the, the uh, tallying. And... You know, I didn't move, so I was in motion, stationary and silent. So anyway, the the other chaperone said, well, put your phone away. So I did. I complied. I put it in my purse. But just as I did that, the sheriff's deputy grabbed my arm anyway, my left arm behind me, and cuffed me. So I said I was... You know, I was startled, and I, so I was being arrested, and I, so I tried to put my tape, my notes, and my pen into my purse. And he said, now you're resisting arrest. So anyway, they, they marched me to the foyer, and uh, a sergeant right there at that moment exited the, the elevators. He was ready for me, and they read me, they read him what my what they were accusing me of, and he agreed, and then they put me in an elevator and took me up to the 10th floor uh, to be processed. I asked to use the restroom. They took me to a restroom, and then they left me in the restroom, which had bars on it, um, and they did all the processing out of the restroom. And, um, yeah, I was taken because he had been rough putting tests on there were some marks on my wrist and they asked me if I needed to be transported by an ambulance. I, of course, said no. And no. He said, well, no, I so have to ask you these questions. Um, and, they made it sound like I'd be me, out that night. I heard but, one thing, Allison. Let me ask you yeah. about this. You were arrested by the sheriffs, correct? By the sheriff's department. That's right. So, so Eric Swalwell, the representative, the Democrat, a well-known anti-Trumper and also anti-me because he mentioned me in hearings. But uh, Swalwell, he's got a couple brothers who are on the sheriff's department, correct? That's correct. That's correct. You want to talk about that? Well, I don't know much more than that. I mean, they're definitely, you know, they're, I'm surprised. I've been in twice to see the sheriff both in 2020 and in 2022, after he was uh, 
I would say deselected. Now observing all these, the great lengths that they go to not let the public see the envelopes, the ballots, the even this one percent tally, you couldn't make sense of the precinct. Now we don't have precincts; we have voting centers and batches, and it was—it's not at all clear. So there's great effort made to not let the people know what's going on. And so I have to say that he was deselected, you know. And but he seems quite happy about it. He did. He said, "I've had my 14-year run. I, you know, it's time to pass the baton." So he didn't seem bothered by it at all. And. You know, all I can say is I, they also tried to arrest me in a library for a mask. And this is after they already rescinded the mask mandate in Alameda County. And I'm in a library not wearing a mask because it's, I was on the Board of Supervisor uh, call when they rescinded it. So I knew that I didn't, that there was no mandate. But that library still puts up that there is a mask mandate. And I, I advised them. I referred them to the Board of Supervisor meeting, and uh, but they kept pulling up papers from old papers, and they called the sheriff on me, and the sheriff threatened to arrest me there. They didn't even know that what was going on in their own county. And those sheriffs, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like the wild, wild, uh, I wouldn't say west, I would say the wild, wild east, because... Uh, I, the uh, American system is not being enforced. Our constitutional rights are not being supported. The sheriffs are not supporting individuals. I, I have my own rights, and they take note to the Constitution to uphold those rights. But they weren't protecting me. They were just doing whatever the library told them or whatever the registrar of voters told them to do whether it was a breaking the law or not. I was completely in my rights to be there observing. I'm completely in my rights to be in the library, attending to the services there. I'm a taxpayer. They don't have the legal jurisdiction nor the, uh, the ability to enforce any of that. But they call the, the sheriffs, and the sheriffs are enforce, enforcing something which isn't even in effect. Not even, And even the, the, the health director doesn't have the legal they don't have the jurisdiction to put that kind of um, enforcement on the people. This is something that has to be done through the legislature. But unfortunately, Americans have not had civic um, classes. Most people don't understand the government. They just take whatever is said as being true, trusting them, and they have a government and Media and every have been lawless. So I, you know, media is pushing all of this, this, uh, all these mandates, and they are not law. And so, you know, we have a big problem in America in terms of educating the population to know that these are not lawful. They do not have to comply. We do have rights to yourself, to your own uh, medical. We don't have. A, it's not in the Bill of Rights your medical rights, but you have a right over your own body, over your own life to make the decisions. And so th- these things all now are coming in our, in our faces. Um, and, and most of all, you know, all of these are mitigated through the vote. So that's why the vote has to be sorted out first. And I will refer everyone for their uh, education 
today, the Supreme Court of the United States heard a case, an oral argument. It, it hasn't shown up on the archive, but it was this morning at 10 o'clock Eastern Time. And um, it is talking about state versus federal rights, according to the Constitution, according to election law. So for our, all of our understanding of what's going on, we all need to be listening to these arguments to equip ourselves and to know what is, you know, what is in the public square right now and what are our rights as citizens in the United States of America. And so I, you know, I stood up for mine. I was only there as an observer. I was... Not in their private area. I was in an area for observers, and I did nothing wrong, and they still arrested me. I spent the night in jail. I was never read my Miranda rights. I spoke with the gals in the cell with me. None of them had ever had their rights read to them either. So there, there is much that looks like it's uh, really rotten in the enforcement of laws and protection of our of our rights. And it's time for the grassroots movement. Sorry? Let me ask let me ask you what you're planning to do about this. Because some people would say, okay, so so the sheriffs. But have you looked in that? Because I'll bet it's a lot of money to get a lawyer to sue the sheriff's department. I'll bet it's a $10,000 Right. Well, I'll, I'm going to ask for more time on December 19th and hear what they say. Uh, and um, to, you know, either get a lawyer or, you know, see what my options are. And so, uh, you know, I think the 19th is just kind of telling you what your charges are and they are... Uh, Basically, that I uh, resisted arrest and that I was trespassing because they demanded that I leave. But I was in my rights as a citizen to be there and observe. So there was no basis for that charge. And once I've made all the public records requests to get the video, the surveillance cameras, and all the body cams for the sheriffs, as well as asking for all email communications between the registrar of voters um, and the sheriff with the Alameda County Republican Party, uh, because I have been active in our uh, Alameda County Republican Party. We have an election integrity group that's now kind of uh, grown to include people who are not who are not Republicans. You know, we have Libertarians, Democrats in this election integrity group because this is a this is across every, you know, this is a protection of our rights as U.S. citizens, regardless of our political persuasion. And uh, we are we have all been observing uh, these processes down here in Alameda County, and this group. And that's what they're not used to, that no one has really ever paid attention. We just trusted they were doing the right thing. And now as we're observing, we're seeing how little they are doing to observe a California election code and, or the U.S. Constitution. They're all so, Allison, Allison yeah. hang, hang on ahead. one sec. It seems to me like if you go into court, let's say that, let's say everything goes well for you. 
let's say you go into court and the judge throws out the case. It, you know, says the police were, the sheriffs were wrong and oops, you should have been arrested and throws out the case. Let's say it goes perfectly well for you, right? If that happens, you are still cop stopped from observing. You were there to observe and you were taken away. So you lost your right to observe either way. That's right. Win, lose, or draw on the case. What do you think about that, Allison? Well, you know, that's something that we all need to be. They they were making an example out of me to scare people away, I think. So this is, uh, it's kind of an intimidation effort. And, you know, I hope it will fall. I hope this radio broadcast will go far and wide. Um, it needs this kind of thing. If people don't push back, it will only get worse because they take You give them an inch, they take a mile. And, and this is a reality that for sure, this is a, about shutting the American people. You know, I'm a candidate. I'm an uh, elected member of the Alameda County Republican Party. I've been observ- an observer many times. I am, you know, I'm a teacher. So at many levels, as a citizen, as somebody who's interested in the process and wanting to participate, uh, they're shooting me down. You see, every as a candidate, they're not scared that that somebody, you know, that it might even get some visibility because they have complete control of the whole shebang, and there is. That's where we are in America because I also was on a radio, on a call a um, couple days ago with another uh, group that's also um, very interested in our in keeping up our constitutional rights and in uh, Southern California somebody else was also arrested. I don't know if they spent the night in jail, but they definitely you know wanted to make an impression on uh, on me. I've still been back there already. Uh, three times since this happened, because I think it's important that we have to continue to do that. And I've attended the Board of Supervisors meeting. Now, this is bigger because I'll tell you, they've rejected my public um, records request. I, Because uh, Connick Incorporated is implicated with the CCP, now Connick Incorporated produces a product called Pole Chief, and Alameda County... Is, it has that. Well, we use Polchi. We are subscribing to this company's products, and they were they had our poll worker. I've been a poll worker in the past too. Our poll worker personal data on found on servers in China. So there is. So the Alameda County Registrar has opened itself, opened our county up to foreign interference in our elections through their subscription. I asked, and now according to California Election Code 12302, if you are a non-voter, and that would include non-citizens, obviously, you cannot be involved in the tallying of votes. But on two different occasions, in the adjudication room, and that's another big long story, but in the adjudication room where votes are rejected by the machine and are uh, looked at by another set of eyes. In other words, they can change your ballot. They decide your intent looking at 
your ballot because your ballot was rejected for some reason. In that room that I observed on two separate days, it was a sea of Chinese heads, okay? Straight black hair, just saying, okay? And it's concerning given Connick Incorporated, you know, the implication of, uh, of that. So I asked as a public records request that all the poll, all the workers, all the employees in that worked that any facet of vote tallying, which according to code, non-citizens cannot work. I wanted to know their resident and citizen status, whether they're eligible to vote, right? Um, that was rejected under uh, client privilege uh, and by the, the council and also on a squirrely thing because um, the, the posting of the names of the workers is not is only for precincts, and now that we've gone to voting centers, he's saying, well, if they're not subject to that right, which doesn't make any sense. So the point is, they're they're running away from p- providing public in- which information we're entitled to that our vote is secure. So it looks like our vote it has been open to foreign interference by this Connick Incorporated and our data, let me just say, the Chinese aren't really that interested in the poll workers' data, right? If they have that, they have a whole lot more if they're able to get our poll worker data. And as I said, I am also a poll worker. I've worked a couple of elections in the past. So this is something that's very concerning. And I brought that up to the Board of Supervisors meeting just this Tuesday, again, I brought it up before, then I got arrested, I mean, in, in the interim, and then I brought it up again yesterday, and uh, so, yesterday morning. So these things, so, you know, there's something going on, and, and I think America needs to know. And I, they have to start paying attention to California again. You know, it's almost like we're the lost uh, state. You know, no one bothers with us. But in fact, there's, you know, the first chomp of America, in my opinion, if the Chinese wanted to trump anything, would be to take California. And I hear the Chinese around me. I speak Chinese. I grew up in, in Taiwan. I can hear the Chinese. The Chinese I'm hearing is that perfect Chinese coming out of Beijing. You know, it's that kind of like the, the King's English, you know, uh, Queen's English is the perfect Chinese. They, you know, they call it Jinpins or the golden tongue. Um, Chinese, which is the perfect Mandarin spoken. And you can tell this is the intelligentsia from from Beijing. And so... Now, Alison, let me ask you. You're saying the Chinese might target Northern California. That's obviously because a lot of Americans... Well, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the correction. They've never fed their own people. We're the breadbasket of, you know, there are so... We have so many resources oil, other resources. We, you know, California is so rich. So yes, taking over California is, would be a boon and it would kill the spirit of America to know that we had been invaded, stealth or otherwise, and that we have no control over any of our law, any level of law enforcement or judiciary or, you know, 
No, I agree. And I think especially Republicans should not give up on California because California is a great state. And obviously, with the history with Reagan, it, it has a, an important place in Republican history. But let me ask you about the high tech industry in Northern California, because there's been a lot of talk about Twitter laying off tens of thousands of people. But I've noticed they're not the only high tech company, Google and Meta. Are you seeing the impact of the layoffs in Silicon yep, Valley there, in general? There have been reports of, yes, yeah. many layoffs, right, over a thousand already in one report. And I'm sure there have been others, you know, but like, right, like a massive dump. There, It looks like there's some major layoffs before the end of the year. And uh, what impact would that have on Northern California with the high gas prices, the highest in the country, I believe, uh, outside of Hawaii, uh, with the high gas prices and how rent was already high? Is rent gone down at all? Well, there with the pandemic, there that's another thing that's at least in Alameda County of the issue, and it's probably in other counties as well that there was a moratorium put on, on rent. So, um, you know, it's, it's hurting your small, your average person that has another piece of, another property for income, right? And they're not able to kick their people out. They, people can just not pay rent. And people, some people, have, they're in 50000 in arrears. They've been in not paying rent for, you know, since uh, early, late 2000 or early 2021. So over, you know, we're looking at almost two years of rent. And so and this is the, intense. The, the people, they're not paying rent to, you know, you get, people get the idea of landlords and they oh, get this. this. In terms of your layoffs here, I just was saw a report over recent months, tech companies, and this is from Stanford News, stanford.edu. It's estimated in 2022 alone, over 120,000 people have been dismissed from their job at some of the biggest lay, biggest players are tech companies. So, so this is Meta, Amazon, Netflix, and soon Google, it says. Announcements of cuts keep coming. So this is... Yeah, very two days ago, news from Stanford.edu. So it's it's happening. A little bloodbath. And that's going to really hurt small businesses, I would say, in Northern California. Yeah. All businesses. Right, all supporting plus, them, yeah. But am I right? That's yeah. going to have a huge I mean, that's the impact. Whole, that's, I think that's all part of it is to crush the small and medium-sized businesses. Because the big big boys are always going to survive. They can take a big dip, but in the meantime, you know, other, other, you know, small and medium sized businesses don't have that kind of margin to be able to, you know, or slush fund to be able to just wait it out. So yes, it's, it's crushing the small and medium size, that sector of, of our production. And that's, that's a huge loss. That's changing the structure economic structure of California. And, and Alison Hayden, we're out of, 
we're out of time, but I'm sorry you had to go through this, but great job. And I, I appreciate you out there fighting on this issue. Allison well, Hayden, thank you, tell people Lee. If it weren't where for you, they can find the you word out, we have no hope. Right, and tell them where you can find your website. Uh, it's Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, the digit for Congress. Allisonforcongress.com. Great job, Allison Hayden. Thanks so much. And Rod, it always seems to go, Carmine will point this out on Monday. Whenever the election goes a few extra days, it always goes to Democrat. Have you noticed that, yep. Rod? So we'll ask Rod about that later. Let's take a short break now. And when we come back, more on the backstory. Back in the backstory, I'm Lee Shanahan, and this is the show that brings you the truth behind the news, the backstory. Writing story, right, Rod? Yeah, it just shows uh, where we where we are in America right now. Lee, just observing the vote count or you know the vote certification gets you thrown in jail. And I think it shows the way they'll, uh, it, they didn't just say to her, don't show up and observe, because what I'm getting at is there seems to be stuff going on in the U.S. where they're trying to deprive her of her rights, but not make it clear that they're depriving her of her rights to do it in a sneaky way. To say, she, well, she, we let her in, but she violated a rule. Does that make sense, Rod? Yeah, exactly. That makes sense, Lee. Um, you know, uh, you know, Allison's not. Uh, she didn't come in. Like she said, she was alone. She wasn't there with a gang of people or anything, but just as one person taking pictures and taking notes. Uh, you know, that dis- that that disrupts the establishment and the status quo. So she has to be taken down. And she didn't come in with a shotgun and a bullhorn. Does that make sense? You know, she was not drinking a six-pack of Mickey's and sitting there drinking and observing. I think it's fair to say. Allison seems like a serious... She doesn't seem overly boisterous. Does it make sense, Rod? Yeah, you're right. She wasn't. She probably wasn't making any noise at all. Just, you know, like she said, observing, taking notes, uh, texting with people who were also watching. So she's probably, you know, like a like a statue almost just there just there but you know the fact that she was taking notes and being very meticulous that you just can't have that well this hour we're going to talk to the great Carter Aaron and we'll ask him what he's saying in California about the high tech industry 120,000 people laid off is a lot Rod I think that's I don't know what the population of Sioux Falls South Dakota is but I think it's around it it's like the whole town laid off. Does it make sense? 120,000 people is a lot of people. 
Yeah, I was just talking about that with uh, with my fiance. Uh, you know, I was talking about um, someone at her job who's getting who's getting laid off as well. Uh, it's happening all over the place, and you know, the media's just barely covering it. I mean, we saw ten thousand Amazon workers who got uh, fired or laid off. You know, I'm not sure if they rehired some of them or whatnot, but you know, we're just not following it. We're just just touching the surface a little bit, and keeping keeping the news cycle moving. And they didn't fire, lay them off because Amazon's not doing well. Amazon on Black Friday weekend had its biggest weekend ever. So Amazon's doing well. Right, Rod? Yeah, I don't see the CEO or Jeff Bezos complaining. So coming up this hour, the great Carl Aaron, and we'll talk to him about a lot of that stuff. But let's go to calls. 202-521-1320. I see Owl Killer. Rod, do us Take us to the boom. Listen to the best show on the radio, The Backstory. I must say, you do a great job as producer, but I will say, now, Rod, I'm not trying to hurt your fans, okay? But Carmine is more enthusiastic. Will you admit that? That yeah, Carmine a, says backstory more enthusiastically. He sounds like he's going to have a heart attack when he says it. Yeah, no, he's a he's a showman, Lee. Uh, he, I'm, I'm more uh, copacetic with it. You know, I keep it uh, on cruise control. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Now, I, I actually don't want you copying. Uh, I, that would be irritating because uh, you're here every day. On Monday, when Carmine is here, once a week, I can handle that, and it's fun. Is it, is it not fun when Carter says the name of the show? Forgive me. When uh, Carmine says the name of the show, Carmine goes full wrestler. But every day, it would be a bit much. Agreed? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Maybe maybe next Monday, we got to uh, do a competition, because I can, I can imitate uh, Macho Man Randy Savage a little bit. Oh, that'd be great. I- I'm going to hold you to that. Remind me. In fact, you won't. You know, I'll make a note. Uh, Macho Man Rod. That's my note. So we'll find out about that next Monday. But let's go to the phones. 202-521-1320. And the great owl killer. Owl killer. Kill some owls. What's on your mind? Well, first off, yesterday you accused me of wearing a uh, Balenciaga ski mask like yay. It's Carhartt. Get it right. Okay, well well done. You made my girlfriend laugh. Whatever you said. A Carhartt. Look, if you're going to do any type of crime, a Carhartt is auto, that, that's the ski mask to wear. Um, so you guys were, uh, earlier um, you were talking about that, um, the Nazi up in uh, Canada, whose grandfather was a Nazi, right? Talking yes. about how she received four vaccines, or her kids were vaccines. Do you, do, you, do you actually believe that? Do you really believe she received four vaccines? Yes, I do. Okay, so it's it's funny that she was on, because I was just watching Indiana Jones and the uh, Last Crusade again. Um. I was watching it last night, and then the, one of the funnier parts, she reminds me of that the girl who is the uh, undercover Nazi. Um, and then I, I just, watching that clip of the uh, Nazis goose-stepping, 
where uh, Indiana Jones gets his uh, father's diary back and accidentally runs into Hitler, and Hitler signs it. And it, it just shows how it's just insane how a country could fall into. I, when you look when you look at Hitler, he just looks like an unhinged maniac, right? And that nobody would take serious, nobody would listen to. And you know, yesterday Tucker was um, covering how people um, they look for leadership, and I brought this up numerous times. That when things hit rock bottom, they always look for somebody to put things back together. And the fact that you actually have overt Nazis up in uh, in, in Canada and in, in the Ukraine. Royce White was on Jason Whitlock, and he brought up um, Operation Paperclip. Royce White is he's very organized in how he breaks things down. He doesn't jump around. And he brought up, let, let's uh, go over the fact that we may, you know, you, you can say what you want about uh, Kanye West and his, you know, his abhorrent uh, comments, which I think every, myself, you and Rod would all agree with, right? Um, but, the, again, the, the, Nazi, the Nazi ideology, it does not come from, it didn't come from Nazi Germany, okay? It, it came from... It comes out of the British model, okay? Uh, it comes out of Darwin. It comes out of the Malthusian, um, uh, the Huxleys. It comes out of that mentality, the, the technocrat model. And my fear, my fear with what's going on, like you had, when when you see what was going on with what, what came out of how we took the dictates from China, or we sent an envoy over to see how China was handling it, we came back. That is the model for the world. China is the big experiment. Th- that control, we gave them that, that technology and, and basically said, let's see what you can do with it. Okay? And I, I, when, I, when I heard that woman talking earlier, I'm, I know I'm jumping all over the place. When, when I heard that woman talking up in Canada, I, do these people really think that they're going to be incubated and nothing's going, that people aren't going to that people don't know who has uh, put this hurt on the world? Do they, do they really believe that? You're talking about layoffs. Do, do people not... The reason that people put up with the nonsense people put up with is because they're comfortable. I, I don't think that the, the elite have a grasp on um, the, w- what can actually happen to them. And I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that, but the... The grounds are ripe for a for not just one but several different type of leaders because you see what's going on in Brazil, where the military is actually backing a Bolsonaro uh, down there, and the people are in the streets. It, you know, I, I don't. Well, think- I'm I'm actually glad you brought up Brazil. Let me stop for one sec and say something I want to say about Brazil, and you brought it up, so it reminded me. So, Rod. We need to get someone like Wyatt on to talk about Brazil because we have people who are pro-Lula and Wyatt's been down there and covered stuff in Brazil. Am I correct, Rod? Didn't we have Wyatt from from Brazil before? Uh, I think so. I believe so. So, yeah. So, so I and he supports Lula. 
and why it's on the left. But I'm increasingly seeing absolute proof, and Elon Musk brought out some of it, that the U.S. government was apparently, did you see what Elon said? Is that Twitter may have been involved, because remember, Twitter's not just in the U.S., but Twitter was apparently involved in election malfeasance down in Brazil against Bolsonaro and in favor of Lula. And Addy Ads was on the show last week, and he talked about the pro-Lula. So I want to ask Wyatt what he thinks about that, because I was Wyatt's open to the communist. fact. I, w- I was looking at Brazil going, okay, you know, I'm seeing this guy Bolsonaro attacked as right-wing extremists. So I'm going to tend to be in favor of him emotionally on that basis. Because I hear that smear used all the time. But now I'm seeing absolute proof that the U.S. was getting involved in the election on the part of Lula. Are you seeing the same thing, Rod? Yeah, I actually saw a picture with Jake Sullivan with Lula. So um, not saying I don't know how recent it was, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be looked into over there. So I'd like to get Wyatt on because I like Wyatt. Wyatt Reed, the Sputnik correspondent. Wyatt Reed, I think, is a is a good correspondent, and I think he's an honest guy, and he's clearly on the left. Would you agree with all of that, Rod? Yeah, he says that. He says that himself, yeah. Yes. So he's a guy on the left, and I'm curious what he thinks of this stuff. And I don't know what he'll think of it. But I know it'll be interesting, and it'll be honest. So does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Lee, Lee, I, so I go ahead, I'll kill her. No, I, I just, since you brought up Wyatt, look, Wyatt's a good guy, but he's a communist. And there's something there's something in the brain of communists. There's just something in the brain where they, as long as they can get someone with their ideology, they will overlook everything. Lula was a mass criminal. Okay, Patrick Bet David had several um, reporters from Brazil uh, on his show recently. Lula was convicted, and they they the the guy that. There was a judge, I believe his last name is Silva, that said, okay, no, we're going to, it says that you cannot run for office for eight years. They knew nobody could beat Bolsonaro, and the judge just said, okay, you're good to go. They have a different system than we do. And in their system, they, the military, because it, the, the reporter said basically it's a, it, the Constitution was written uh, right at the end of the, uh, right when the Berlin Wall came down, and it was very leftist. So they let the military be the arbiter in the Constitution. They didn't think the military would turn into, you know, people that are, you know, very strong nationalists that want uh, that are very awake and are actually against uh, globalism. So now they're actually in the power to arbitrate, and it's against the left. Lula's a criminal. There's no doubt about it. And yes, and they were saying that when Twitter realized that Elon Musk was actually going forward with the purchase. Several right-wing politicians out of nowhere had like 100,000 followers added out of nowhere. 
were basically they were shadow banned for a time being. They didn't really, I'm sure they knew what was going on, but there was no actual evidence of it. And as soon as they started uh, retract or taking away the shadow banning, they had overnight within like 10 hours, a hundred thousand followers. I think, uh, I think Bolsonaro got like 300,000 followers in a matter of 12 hours. So of course, so I'll kill Twitter was well, interfering I'll, I'll, I will disagree with one thing you said. Uh, I agree that White's a good guy, but it's not that he is a communist because we have plenty of communists on this show who I think are, are communists and honest. I think anytime you believe in an ideology first, and communism is an ideology, but so is capitalism in that sense, you get people who are willing to ignore reality. But I don't assume, I actually assume that Wyatt won't do that. I assume that Wyatt will be honest because I've dealt with him in the past. Then he he could not support Lula. You and me are not going to support Jeb Bush. We're not going to support Mike Pompeo. There's more of a, on the right, there is more of a, I can't, I'm not going to break, you know, I don't want to, you know what Scarface said, right? I got my word and my what. And I don't break them for anybody. We're not going to break our morals for just to get our uh, our supposed guy in. So either why? Okay, okay, but, but I I would say people who are MAGA people all the time ignore stuff about Trump that's bad. They ignore all kinds of things. You have to. The process of voting is done first by holding your breath and covering your nose pinching your nose and bringing a, a, a vomit bag in the voting booth with you. you, you there's n- not many politicians who you can wholeheartedly support. Agree, Dal Killer? I, there's, there's only two, and there are, uh, well, maybe three. Two of them have a last name, Paul. The other one's Massey. No, right. I, I agree I can't with you. Find Paul in any, I, I can't find fault in any of their points. No, yeah, I'm I'm a fan too, but I'm just saying broadly, and I should point out that capitalism has been used to sell globalism. In Russia, they use Milton Friedman, yeah, uh, one of Mark Frost's favorite economists. Milton Friedman was used to sell globalism in Russia. So they don't care what ideology, communism or capitalism. It's all about getting their way. So I'll kill a great call. I got to move on because of time. So 202-521-1320. Malik in D.C., you're online. Go for it, Malik. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Lee. Uh, no, I was, uh, I was calling. I was listening, obviously, just now to your, uh, your, your discussion on, uh, on uh, Lula. Uh, and I, and I, you know, it just made me think of of uh, my visit. I visited uh, Brazil in uh, roughly around uh, 2012, and uh, spent part of a summer there uh, traveling, and was largely uh, in the Bahia area, and happened to be traveling with uh, with a, a good friend uh, who actually is a, uh, a government employee, and so I, I got to. I, I was at a resort 
around some of the uh, the wealthy, you know, the the wealthy blancos or wealthy whites, for lack of a better term, and uh, and many of them worked in law enforcement. Uh, in, and I'll tell you, much of what I I saw of the culture there um, was, you know. A, Quite startling as as a as a black man. Um, one of the things that I, I saw of the culture is that, and this is something that I knew beforehand of going there, is that Brazil doesn't have uh, a similar history in terms of. Um, there's nothing that can be directly correlated to something like, say, the civil rights movement or the Black Power movement. Um, they had an artist movement. Uh, at one period, but it, it can't really be compared to what took place here. Um, and Mal, and, let me stop for one sec. Yeah. But, but and sure. Brazil, for people who don't, don't know the older history, Brazil had slavery, and slavery that lasted longer than the U.S. And the brutal treatment of slaves. That is that right, Malik? Uh, from my understanding, uh, that's correct. Uh, and and, so, and I'll tell you, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Lee. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, I just I just wanted to point out that the 19th century was similar to U.S. But you're right; they had no civil rights movement or black power movement of the equivalent of what happened here in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Right, and, and it's and it's you know, and and something like that, you know, can you know be readily seen within the culture. Um, a lot of, you know, one of the first startling things that, that I witnessed uh, at this particular resort, and this resort amongst uh, black Brazilians and Brazilians, quote, of, of color, is kind of infamous. And I obviously, I didn't know that beforehand. Um, but I, there, there were, all of the servants were black. Uh, and I was on the beach one day by myself and and realized that the resort had paid two young black men to basically entertain the uh you know the the white tourists that were on the beach and so they put on like a minstrel show for uh the white tourists and and obviously you know it being 2012 and me being from you know from the US I was floored by that um, and, you know, and, and my encounters with, uh, the law enforcement that were staying at this resort, um, they pretty much, these guys kind of let me know. Cause I remember, uh, at a, being at a party and this guy was kind of, you know, he was stepping into my space and, you know, my instinct was to let him know he was stepping into my space. And this, and I'll tell you, he didn't get aggressive with me, but the smile uh, and gesture that he gave me let me know that in Brazil I can disappear, um, and I have no rights. I have no rights as a black man in in Brazil. Um, you know, I don't know if you, you are familiar with the story of the uh, black man who was burned to death uh, earlier this year in Brazil. He was basically, uh, you know, two police officers shut him into a vehicle and basically gassed him to death or burned him to death. And th and this was in broad daylight, you know. So I I you know when when you know I I I have some of the criticisms of Lula that some people are pointing out, and I I hope he doesn't fall in with the globalist crowd. Um, 
But I'll tell you, um, I, I think he, you know, for the country, he's a step up. He's a, a several steps up from Bolsonaro, even if he is guilty of what they accused him of. Now, so do you think the fact that the U.S. is backing him so strongly that did you hear Addy Ads on the show say he was threatened by a person who said they were an intelligence official and was pro Lula? I, you know, I, I actually I, I didn't hear that. I came in late, um, so I, I would I would definitely love to hear hear more of that. Um, and I've been watching some of the the complaints of uh, Bolsonaro's supporters on Twitter, uh, and and I would like to know more about that. If there's any truth to that. And also, Malik, let me point out one thing that you you mentioned that occurred to me uh, when I was in Le- Lebanon in 2013. What I noticed was when I went to people's homes, a lot of the servants, the maids and the cooks, were very dark skinned black, and because they were from Africa, in the Middle East, in Lebanon, I observed the same thing. Does that make sense, Malik? Uh, it, it does, and you know, I. But I, I'm, I'm sure you know if you were in in Saudi, from what I understand. Um, many of the servants are from the Philippines and then also, obviously, uh, Ethiopia. Right. And, and so it, it, it was just interesting, the worldwide habit of using black people as servants, you know, and it was noticeable in Lebanon. But anything else, Malik? No, no, that, that, that's all. Thanks for taking my call, Lee. So great job, Malik. One of our great community of calls here on the backstory. So what do you think, Rod? Where, where are you said, I'm not, I'm still trying to figure out the situation in Brazil. And uh, I am not saying I wholeheartedly endorse Bolsonaro, but I'm saying there are obviously shenanigans. And I'm opposed to shenanigans. Rod, what say you? Uh, well, some of the key takeaways is just the media avoiding it, the you know, mainstream media just avoiding it altogether. Uh, the fact that the, we've had, we did have uh, Burns, the CIA director, down there, and now we have this picture of Jake Sullivan and Lula. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. It's just, it just, you know, just adds to the certain questions, and just the the amount of people to come out. To these protests, uh, it's a sea of people. You know, I'm not. I can't over exaggerate it. You know, you got to you have to look at the footage. Um, it, it, so that's that. Is just my key takeaways. I think there's just a lot of questions. And I assume the U.S. doesn't back you, and then want nothing. The U.S. is going to want something from Lola. Resource, so, yeah, probably resources, some type of resources that Brazil has. And also probably votes at the U.N. and places like that condemning Russia. That's what they also like. That's their currency. So let's take a short break. When we come back, the great Carl Laren will be joining us on The Backstory.
here back in the back story and on the radio in Washington, D.C., 105.5 FM, AM 1390. Joining us now on the show, great friend of the show, great guest from Unsafe Space, the great Carter Laren. How you doing, Carter? I'm well. How you doing, Lee? I'm fine. I will say the name Carter Laren is somewhat difficult for my post-stroke, you know, have, it, it's hard on the glottal L's. It's, you have to get <laughs> from, does that make sense? Yeah. Do you want to change it? We can change it right now. But I, I don't want to change your name, but thank you so much. <laughs> so, Carter, I want to get you on the show when we're talking about the Kanye thing. First, so, first off, let me throw a general question to you. What in general did you think of all the Kanye kerfuffle after his Alex Jones interview? Well, I, I wrote an article about it. Um, I, I think Kanye, I think Kanye is the inevitable flip side of the kind of uh, psychological and collectivist mindset that he's been raised in, as is Nick Fuentes, um, and so. I'm not surprised by it, but it's the exact kind of reaction that that you would expect from people who buy into the some some of the philosophical and psychological premises of the left, but disagree with the destroy America part. Um, you know, you you need to find a different group to hate. Um, and you you know, Kanye, I, I I it's it's hard, Lee, because I I want people to be able to say, what they want. And there was at times there was slightly more nuance in what Kanye was saying than what people uh, are letting on. Although it's, they're pretty hard words to hear. Um, he, he was coming from kind of a, he seemed to be very religious and coming from this religious perspective of love everyone and blah, blah, blah. But he was also just dead wrong about things and, and certainly said things that were uh, <laughs> at least offensive to most of us, including me. Um, but I, I think the guys just, uh, I don't, I think he's kind of lost his way. I'm not sure he ever had it. I was never really a Kanye fan, so I can't say if it's uh, different than his normal mental state other than the topic. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't – I think the what, what Fuentes and, and Kanye represent actually is going to become a threat the more that the left tightens down on the anti-Americanism because the more that happens – the more you'll get that kind of reactionary uh, stuff from the other side. What do you and think, Lee? I, well, I asked Rod to get you on the show because it brings up a lot of stuff about the concept of racism. And, you know, Kanye was expressing some, but I, I think you're right. The mistake Kanye was making was he does not have a way to intellectually I said this in general, you cannot look at the Kanye interview like an intellectual exercise. Kanye did not, no, not approach it like an intellectual. You agree? Yeah, absolutely, Lee. And I, let me just give you an example of something that I think uh, I see. I saw Fuentes do this, and I see people do this quite a lot, and he did this during the, the Alex uh, Jones interview. He, he, he brought up the Talmud, and he brought up now, Kanye was kind of fast and loose with interpretations, which I think were incorrect. Fuentes was a little bit more 
careful about not necessarily agreeing with some of the wilder interpretations Kanye said. But Fuentes brought up some spots in the Talmud, and uh, I think I could absolutely sit down with with someone and have a discussion about the real philosophic ethical problems with some of the teachings in actually pick your religious textbook. I could, I, I think we should have critical discussions of all of them because I don't think any of them are perfect. And, uh, and I know that's offensive to people who, who are, are believers of whatever particular religion, but having a conversation about the problems with Judaism as a philosophy and maybe even some, on uh, some ethical norms that are a result of that is a much different conversation than having a conversation about people who are ethnically Jewish. And those two things get conflated completely. And so instead of being able to have a conversation where we sit down and say, hey, this is what I don't like about this system uh, philosophically. These are the beliefs that I don't think are productive. They, they bring those beliefs up and then immediately transition to everyone with the last name that sounds Jewish as part of a big conspiracy. Does that make sense? And Yeah, it does. And part of the reason I had Rod bring you on is because my opposition to racism, I think, is the same as yours. I'm opposed to collectivism fundamentally. I'm an individualist. And so my fundamental opposition to racism is you cannot judge anybody collectively. Do you agree with that, Carter? I know you do. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I, and I think and I think what happens is and this is I mean, Lee, this is a really touchy conversation to have, but I think we need to have it as a country because what's happening right now is um you have one side of this conversation which is the mainstream side which insists that there there is nothing different between any group of people at all and simultaneously they insist except for the groups of people that we hate and those they they're they're responsible, you know, they're responsible for colonialism, slavery, and everything bad that's ever happened. Uh, so, so that's the one side. And the other side, you have people um, who are, you know, making these grandiose statements like all people of this ethnicity have this particular way about them, and that's a bad thing or whatever it is. I'm not going to mention any of them on the show, right? But they they make these sweeping statements. And the truth is, uh, just factually, scientifically, of course there are differences in in people uh, broadly that can be broadly categorized by, by uh, genetic uh, traits that are shared among ethnicities. However, the distribution among populations is much bigger than the distribution of the, than the, than the difference between averages of populations. So for any individual, you can't tell a damn thing about them based on what race or ethnicity they're from. Um, and so we're having societies having these conversations where you have someone like Ibram X. Kendi stand up and say, well, whenever there's disparity in outcome, it necessarily means there's racism. Well, if you're going to start having conversations about how groups have different disparate outcomes, then you need to start talking about the fact that there actually are differences in even if it's just culturally, which I don't think it's limited to. But even if there, if it's just culturally, there are differences in priorities and how groups behave and react to things. I mean, I, I had this conversation with my daughter the other day. She's got a lot of friends with tiger moms. And I was like, well, you know, who do you think is going to get better grades and get into school, regardless of race? Someone with a tiger mom or someone with a more lax mom? And she was like, well, obviously the tiger mom. And it, like, yeah, that's very clear. That's a cultural difference. And those do exist. And that's not racism. Uh, and so 
we can't even have this conversation because the minute you suggest that actually groups do on average behave differently, people conflate that with you saying I'm racist against a particular group when you and I both know that the difference within a group is so vast and they're all overlapping for the most part that you can't tell anything about anyone. If I say this person is of this ethnicity, you don't know. You have no idea what their beliefs are or how smart they are or what their disposition is. You know nothing about them. Um, and that's that's what individualism uh, correctly assumes. You can't tell anything about an individual and you can't blame an individual for being a part of a group. You can't uh, give them anything for being part of a group. They, they, your, your merits and your sins accrue to you as an individual. And that's the great Western experiment. That's the enlightenment. And that's what we're losing here. And I don't think Kanye and, and Nick Fuentes are helping preserve that. They're actually just, you know, tearing it down from a different angle. So let, let me make a statement, and you see if you think this statement is not something you agree with, because it's, it's f a factual statement. I'm not asking your opinion on, but do you think th this is a fair statement I'm about to make? So let's talk about a religion that no one says is an ethnicity, Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard's Scientology. So I will say intellectually, I disagree with Scientology, and I know a lot about it, and I know also disagree with a lot of the behavior of the Church of Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard. So all of that's true. That's true. why I think intellectually about Scientology. But when I think about people I know who are Scientologists, and I've known a few when I lived in California and subsequently, when I think about it, the people who I know who are Scientologists, to a person, I'm struck they're good people. And they were very concerned about me when I was having health problems. And when they've been in a position of being honest, yeah, I can't get into details, but they were always honest. So and I, I could say the same thing about Mormonism. When I, I don't agree with Mormonism for a variety of reasons, but growing up in Northern California, I knew a number of Mormons, and I liked all of them. They were positive, hardworking, family-oriented people. So do you think those are fair statements to make or racist? Carter, what's no, not, not only are they— yeah, not only are they fairly, I mean, they, they comport with my experience as well. I was going to bring up Mormonism if you didn't, because uh, I have more experience with, with people who are Mormons, and and they fit that. In fact, you know, there's an entire South Park episode about how ridiculous the beliefs sound to people who aren't Mormon, uh, contrasted with how nice and functional the Mormon family is in the episode, and um, and I think that's... I mean, that's the essence of it. It's it's having a conversation about beliefs. And and I would go so far as to say, you know, for things like Scientology I, and even Mormonism, but people might disagree with me here, but I, I think false beliefs are fundamentally um, harmful. Uh, so even if there's some, maybe there's some good beliefs mixed in with some of these systems too, and those, those counter counteract some of the false beliefs, but false beliefs are fundamentally harmful. So I can say 
I could say, yes, being a Scientologist, believing the Scientology arguments is fundamentally a harmful thing, or at least these, the set of the arguments, the things that are wrong. That doesn't mean that every Scientologist is a bad person compared to anyone else. And it doesn't mean that there aren't, maybe there's a whole bunch of other things that come with the teachings that make people better than the average person for some reason. I don't know. I'm not super familiar with Scientology, but you know, I, I think it's worth having discussions about the ideas, but we we seem to not be able to do that. So instead, it becomes all about the groups of people, and uh, and you know, I think we're doomed when we when we are stuck in that. And both Kanye and his side and the mainstream are both stuck in that collectivist talk about groups of people as 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 units rather than ideas. Um, they're stuck stuck in that mentality. And it's disastrous. And, of course, there's nothing genetic. So I'm going to talk about Judaism for a second. I think that some of the things people are saying, for instance, why are a lot of Jews involved in the law as lawyers or judges eventually, right? And I think the nature of Judaism as a religion People who are rabbis, there's a lot of analysis. There's a lot of reading. It's very scholarly. And a lot of, a friend of mine who is Jewish pointed this out to me, and she's right, that there's something about the nature of the way Jews approach their religion that lends itself to legal thinking. It's very legalistic. Does that make any sense, Carter? And what say you? Is that yeah, a certainly. And I, and I, no, and I think we need to be able to talk about culture and how it affects people's behavior on average in a group because that's a real thing. That's not a made-up thing. It's not a racist thing to say. Different cultures have different preferences for how they 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 go about life and different standards. And you know, the Jewish culture is different. Then the Asian culture. My wife is from China. The Asian culture is very different than the Jewish culture, for example. Um, and they they place emphasis on different things. Um, some of them are similar. Some of them are different. And that's true no matter what culture. And that will lead to different outcomes, right? Um, be, because you you will have cultural pressure to behave certain ways and be in you know a Jewish uh, Jewish parents are much more likely to approve. Uh, of a a child who wants to be a lawyer or a doctor or a dentist than a child who says, I want to go paint, right? Like that's just, or, you know, I want to go be, uh, I don't know. um, (laughs) I want to go be a social worker or whatever. Like that's, that's just not, that's not part of the culture, right? I want to go be a basketball player. That's not part of the culture. They're not going to, on average, they're not going to be as supportive of that decision as if you say, I want to go to Harvard law. And, you know, you know, I, I took Kanye as someone who simply, because he doesn't have the intellectual background, doesn't have even the vocabulary to address some of these ideas. What say you? Yeah, I mean, Kanye is an odd case. Like I said, I haven't been following – like I was never a Kanye fan, so I haven't been following him for a long time. So it's hard to, for me to see how he's changed. But as far as I can tell, he's always been a little off. He has, you know, referred to himself in the past as like, 
I, th- I think at one point he said his greatest regret in life was not being able to see himself live in concert. He's always had like a weird relationship with his own ego. He's never been particularly articulate, no matter what he's been saying. Uh, he's just always kind of been a little bit off. And what I see with him now, and I'm saying this as someone who's who grew up in a very religious family and and but is now an atheist. Um, you know, I see that he he got excited about what seems to be some sort of fundamentalist Christianity. I'm not exactly sure what kind it is. He's not super well studied in it, as he would admit and is apparent from any of his his statements. But he's very, you know, juiced up about it. And he's just kind of running with a very low resolution new worldview. And uh, I mean, he said crazy things like he said, like he, he he credited Hitler with making inventions that Hitler just didn't make as if it was true. And it's, you know, that makes no sense. It has nothing to do with reality. He, he he felt that he could mock Benjamin Netanyahu. But he also simultaneously said he had just heard of Benjamin Netanyahu two weeks ago, which is like, well, if that's your level of understanding of what's been going on in Israel, you maybe you should sit down and shut up, uh, which there are criticisms of Netanyahu. Absolutely. But someone who's just heard his name uh, and 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 literally takes a an, a a net from a, an aquarium and a can of a bottle of YooHoo onto the table to to do a little game where he pretends he's talking to Netanyahu, a, a guy he just heard about two weeks ago. It, it, how are we? Anyone who takes that seriously has got a screw loose. Like that, that's not a. This is not intellectual conversation. This is a show, and even and Alex Jones. Whom I know a lot of people think Alex Jones is is pretty out there, and I get it. He's very edgy, but Alex was clearly uncomfortable with the. I mean, he he did not like the conversation. He felt very uncomfortable um, because it wasn't. You know, say what you will about Alex Jones, his knowledge of of history and his memory is is phenomenal. He's a he's got a, he's a treasure trove of information. And he couldn't even get a word in edgewise when Kanye would say something and Alex would want to say, well, actually, I studied that. And it was just, you know, Kanye would go off on some other infantile thing to say and kind of ignore Alex. And Alex was feeling uncomfortable because the outrageous things were being said and there wasn't even really room to have a serious discussion. And, you know, as as performative as Alex is, sometimes he is serious and passionate about the issues. And I think Kanye is somewhat of a clown. And also, it seemed to me, Kanye was, a friend of mine pointed out, they were seeing some things that I was, me personally, I was saying on Twitter, and a longtime friend of mine, and he said to me, you're obviously processing your divorce. And I, my divorce is now final, effectively. And the, he's right. I wasn't thinking about it. But now that my divorce is final, I'm thinking about things in in the marriage and the marriage in general and thinking about mistakes that I don't want to make again. And it occurred to me that Kanye is processing his divorce to Kim Kardashian. And let me say something that I see in Kanye that I think is a contradiction I see in a lot of people. I'm really interested in your take on this, Carter. I think a lot of people have contradictions about sex. For instance, they, Kanye is somebody who clearly saw Kim Kardashian, a very sexy woman. 
who's very open about her sexuality. And then he wanted that. He wanted to date her after he'd seen that. So no one's dating Kim Kardashian and you not know what you're getting. But then once they get it, they don't want it. They just want it to be exclusive to them. They don't like the idea that she'd be sexy for other people. And that's, to me, a contradiction. And I see it all the time. People like someone because they dress kind of slutty or whatever. And that's why they're attracted to them at first. But then once they become their girlfriend, they got to start dressing like that. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about and see how it applies here, Carter? Yeah, absolutely, Lee. I mean, that this that could be a three hour discussion, right? It's the it's the virgin slut dichotomy that's very um, prevalent in our culture uh, where, you, you know, we 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 have this culture that um, it gives a lot of attention to to young women who uh, are overtly sexual. And I'm not even making a I could make moral judgments about all this, but let's just skip all that. We have a culture that like is is. Uh, you know, very approving of of overt sexuality in a whole bunch of uh, ways, even even inappropriate uh, overt sexuality for young teenage stars who shouldn't really even be sexualized yet. Uh, and then, so you you have all of this approval, uh, and but then on the flip side, you have this expectation that uh, that. When they get married, they turn into the Virgin Mary, and they're only that thing, I guess, in the bedroom for yourself. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what the idea there is, but I think, you know, the West's relation to sex is is also pretty dysfunctional. Uh, at least America's, in particular, our relation to sex is dysfunctional. I think you see, uh, I think you'd see dysfunction on both sides. You see, uh, kind of uh, treating it as if it's. Um, a, a completely short, like in a very short-sighted way, as if it's just an animalistic thing. There's never any consequences. Uh, throw caution to the wind all the time. There's you never need to look past the the, the evening, um, as if there's never any consequences, and that's how you want to live your life. And on the flip side, you have actually what Kanye um, seems to be leaning towards now, which is this. You know, he he made a little speech about how pornography was horrible, and and I think Fuentes is. At last, I heard he's intentionally celibate. There's like this, this, this 180 to sex is basically bad, and um, you, you should never have it unless you know you're married and only one you know wife your entire life or, or husband, and and it's a very this kind of very sacred godly thing, and it's it's not something to be talked about, and no one should ever be sexy in public, and so there's this that kind of dichotomy. I think you can see Kanye. I think what happened with Kanye, frankly, is he swung from one end to the other, and while he was still married to Kim Kardashian, uh, and uh, that's got to be difficult, right? And it's especially difficult when you throw in the celebrity aspect, the fact that both of them are very well-known people, and his ex-wife is the woman who broke the internet with the size of her butt. You know, that basically is what happened. And Kanye's got, it's fair to say, mixed feelings about that. And he's processing that, and no one is helping him to process it with any healthy perspective, in my opinion. Carter? Yeah, my guess is, I mean, 
I've we've I've seen this to a large uh, smaller extent in in smaller celebrities, but uh, my guess is that he has, and I'm not being hyperbolic. He probably has zero people around him who are actually telling him the truth, um, and and that's tough, right? That's really really tough. And he also doesn't seem like a person who's open to criticism. So, and I said it before on the show, people do not undress. Do not understand what it's like to be a celebrity in that no one tells you no. That's one of the things that you learn when you hang around people who are famous. In fact, I talked about it briefly, but I interviewed the director Kevin Smith a few years ago. And at the time, Kevin Smith, who directed Clerks, was heavy set. He was about 300 pounds. And a few weeks later, I I was watching the interview. I noticed Kevin kept talking about dying from diabetes. And he said he'd had a couple of relatives who had diabetes. And Kevin was talking about it like he'd die happy. I'll die with a full belly. And I pointed out to him, I, I wrote him privately. And I said, Kevin, I noticed in the interview, you think you're just going to die happy with a full belly. It's not like that. You get sick. You can't, your functions stop working. Your eyesight will go. And he told me, I first I thought he was mad at me because who, who am I to say that to him? But he wrote me back and he said, no, thank you so much for saying that. When you're famous like me, a lot of people don't want to tell you the truth because I was not his friend. Does it make sense? I was the guy who interviewed him. I like Kevin, but I was not his friend. So I told him the truth. And I said, Kevin, look, you can fix your diabetes. You have money. You can hire a personal trainer. And does that make any sense, Carter? Yeah, absolutely. And I think and I think that's because we have a culture in which people fawn over celebrities, it, it means that um you know, there's not a lot of people who will do what you did, which is just to to push back on them and say, hey, man, this actually isn't healthy um, because they're worried about falling out of favor with celebrities. Everyone's worried about their clout um, to some extent. And I think that's, uh, you know, frankly, I think that's a horrible for your self-esteem. But uh, but but nevertheless, that is the culture. And I think it happens all the time. And I know it's hard for people to imagine that. Kanye probably has access to no one, but I, I would be shocked if there's anyone in his life that's telling him, dude, you probably need some time off and maybe, maybe stop talking for a while and let's get you some help. And I'm going to say the people, you know, other than people who, who don't like him. They, you know. And would you, if you're going through, uh, you know, you just come through a very tough, very public divorce and you're now do, doing the media rounds and being attacked would you want Nick Fuentes and Laura Loomer as your confidants, as your support system? Right. And all Yeah, no, I mean, and that's right. I mean, that's that's the other thing, Lee. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I don't want to channel Tony Robbins, but he is right about some things. And he he because I know people think he's cheesy, but he didn't spend a lot of time synthesizing, you know, information I, and, and I like distilling Tony it for Robbins, people. By the way. Yeah. 
Good, good. Uh, yeah, but I know he gets he gets a bad rap sometimes for being cheesy, but he he spent a long time synthesizing real information and presenting it to people. And you know, one of the things that he that he talks about is, um, you know, you can't. Uh, ugh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Damn it. Tony Robbins right on something. Yeah. Anyway, um, oh, I know. He he told he told a story about um how he. He told a story once about how he wanted to find a a good wife, like he wanted a, a happy marriage. And you know, he did something that no one really does. I don't I don't hear people doing it. He went and he found an older couple. He was young at the time. He found an older couple that appeared to him to have a really happy marriage, and specifically an older guy who had a wife that he wanted a younger version of. I uh, said, oh, this is the kind of person I want. And he sat the guy down. He said, how, how do I get that? How do I do that? Teach me <laughs> how to be the kind of person that can be with the, your wife, like a, if someone looks like your wife. And I, and I think um, we don't have a lot of mentorship uh, anymore. Mentorship's kind of gone away completely. It's been replaced by uh, bad schools, basically, and YouTube. So uh, we don't really have a lot of mentorship anymore, like individual mentorship. And I think what Kanye needs is, I mean, I don't know how old the guy is. He's probably 40s, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Um, but he, he probably needs someone older and experienced who's gone through stuff, perhaps a celebrity who's dealt with that issue because that's a particularly hard thing to deal with, um, who can sit him down and say, look, here's, here's what I learned. Here's the mistakes that you shouldn't make that I made, and here's – Here's how you can come out the other end. He doesn't need a twenty-something, you know, self-declared celibate dude telling him so we're, we're you know, how to recover from his divorce. Person. Yes or no? You're saying Kanye needs a mentor. Do you think O.J. Simpson would be a good mentor for Kanye? <laughs> uh, does it come with a set of Ginsu Popio Slicomatic knives, Lee? That's the question. Comes with Ginsu knives. So Carter Laren. Great appearance, as usual. Thanks so much. Allison Hayden, thank you for joining us. Sorry you're arrested. And keep fighting the good fight. And thanks to all our callers. And thanks to Rod, our producer, for putting in a great show. We'll be back tomorrow on Backstory.